Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities, our transgressions, Lord, those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm asking that you help this group, Lord, to grow to its full potential. I'm asking that you bless this upcoming conference. I'm asking that you bless every member individually, Lord, where we're torn down, Lord, build us up. I'm asking that you bless Jake, Lord, now that he's participating. Lord, I'm asking that you give him everything that he'll need to go forward with you. I'm asking that you bless Laura and Martin, Lord. They've done so much for us. They do so much for you, Lord, that I'm asking that you bless them a thousandfold. Whatever it is that they desire, whatever it is, spiritual growth or things that they need to do, Lord, I'm asking that you give it to them. I'm asking that you bless Sarah, that she's in the ministry trying to do your will, Lord. I'm asking that you give her wisdom and understanding to continue down the path she's on. Eric and Holly, Lord, with their health, I'm asking that you bless them. I'm asking that you bless little Eric. I'm asking, Lord, that you bless all those, Lord, who were once in attendance, Tina, Lord, and everything going on with her life, the fact that she's no longer following you, Lord. I'm asking that you help her, Lord, to get back on the path. Trina's baby, Lord, I'm asking that you take care of her. I'm asking, Lord, that you look after uh, Karen, Tracy, uh, Dan, Sue, Lord, all those out there who love you, Lord, and are serving you. I'm asking that you give them what their hearts desire, for you are a holy and righteous God. You are a faithful and just God, and I'm asking that your Holy Ghost be here. I'm asking that every spirit of confusion, every spirit of deception, every spirit of error, every spirit of, you know, uh, whatever it is, Lord, that is anti-Christ, I'm asking that those things be bound and moved out of the way, that your body may grow, that all attacks that come against this body, Lord, that they be silenced in your name. For there is no name given amongst men whereby we must be saved. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask that all things be done in you. Let your will be done, for you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only true, righteous, holy, and faithful God, worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's um, the beginning of our five-part study. It's going to be on... It's called, um, Wide is the Gate that Leadeth to Destruction. So what we're going to do is um, expose a lot of these false religions and things here. Um, one of the issues is, is that I've run into people lately, and the Lord has put it on my heart, where um, I may speak to people who are in other faiths that are really good-intentioned people, but many of the ones in these, in these um, religions like Islam, you know, um, uh, what are the others, you know, Hinduism, Buddhism, and all the others, they're um, believing that we all serve the same God. And, um, you know, I've been hearing that a lot. You know, there's a girl that I know, she's a Muslim, and um, I've been talking to her about the Lord. And one of her issues in coming with them, she said, you know, I understand where the Bible says some great things, but you got to understand, we serve the same God. She said, my God... Is I call him Allah and you call him God. So, you know, it's one of those things where I think people are really deceived because to me, if they were all the same God, they would all say the same things. But obviously that's not the case. You know, their belief systems are totally different. And I think with this series, it'll just be good to, you know, shed light on these things. You don't want to bash 
you know, other people, because I know in a lot of cases, they'll, you know, the strong man will build up in them, they'll be upset, and then they really won't hear, but we can't be, you know, accountable for not giving people truth. I mean, you know, we have to give it to them, however we know them to be. Um, I've noticed in this study, as we go through it, that all of these religions are linked. You know, all of them go back to ancient Babylon. When people tell you in the world that it doesn't matter what you believe, we all believe the same, they are somewhat telling the truth. <laughs> the only thing is, is that it's not with, you know, outside of the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But as far as the other religions are concerned, they all do worship the same God, no matter what you call them. So, uh, all right, so we'll get started. Um, we want to go into, let's go to Genesis 11 to show where it all began. Because I think unless people have a real understanding of who Nimrod is, you really don't get an idea of how influential he is to, I mean, religion and government. You know, you'd be surprised how this country, I mean, they love this guy. I mean, all of the religions, I mean, all of the uh, governments and things today, I mean, set up, were set up by him first. The Egyptians followed him. Everybody followed him. All right. Uh, I'm running my mouth. I'm not even there yet. All right. All right, we'll go, we'll start at Genesis 11, uh, verse 1. And the whole earth was of one, one language and, one, and of one speech. So that might sound like, you know, you got two things here, one language and one speech. Like, what are you trying to say? One speech is pretty much one mind, you know, the way that they all see it. They all declare the same God, believe the same things. But they did all have the same language, verse 2. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there, and they took, and they said one to another, Go, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime, for, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So, you know, again, here, you know, when they say all the people were one, they're not one as in all together. They're one together against the Lord. You know, it's the same way you see this system being set up today when you think about the false religions in the world coming together, one world religion, one world order. Well, this would have been the very first one world order that we're looking at here. Okay, uh, verse 5. Uh, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they, all, and they have all one language. And this they began to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. So the Lord is saying here that they might have even had the technology. He's saying... If he would have allowed them to continue what they're doing here, the same way they're setting up this one world government, this one world religion, that they would have been able to break through to get into the heavens. Now, a lot of people think that's hard to believe, but remember, Nimrod was, you know, considered 
two parts God, one part man. Like he had that fallen angel blood. He had Nephilim seed in him. So he had a clear understanding of what he was building. And it's interesting, when they got ready to build this tower, it was near where the Bible says the Garden of Eden was. So if the Garden of Eden may have been like a gateway or some type of pass where Adam and Eve was, that it's no longer here anymore once man sinned. Remember, God had to drive them out. You know, before, I guess, he put he placed two cherubim on each end of the garden. Well, the Tower of Babel was kind of like that gateway, you know, once that veil was placed to try and get back into the heavens. You know, not the right way, obviously, but, you know, to try and um, go in. And if you read the accounts on Nimrod, you know, a lot of people equate him to a guy named Gilgamesh. There's a book called The Epic of Gilgamesh that explains, it's another name for Nimrod, pretty much, but... They explained that his plan was to go up into the heavens and try and kill God. You know, it's like good luck with that one. But that was the plan. He was going to try and make it up into the heavens, kill God, and establish Satan there. And this is why when you go to Isaiah 14, they talk about the five I wills of Satan. You see, Satan was always in control there. So one of the reasons why, you know, they were trying to get up there wasn't really for their sake. It was the promise that Satan made when he left the heavens. Okay, so it's the same way he's trying to work through man now, you know, to get his agenda, man. Verse 7, go to, let us go down and there, oh, and there confound their language that they, may, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. So, uh, oh, therefore, um, is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound their language of, of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. So, you know, what we understand here is Nimrod himself had a religion that he was pushing, and he also had his government. If you read in the book of Joshua, it explains that the Lord had 70 angels come. I mean, I know you guys just bought that book, but that he would have 70 angels come and give the people 70 different languages. What's interesting about that is even scientists themselves can say that there were 70 original languages before all the others broke off into, you know, other things. Like if you see some things like... Um, you know, you may have Latin, which you can break off, you know, Spanish, Italian, you know, you name it, you know, Greek or whatever. So, um, it, you know, this is pretty much what happened. But when this separation had occurred, all the people went forward with Nimrod's doctrine. Everything that he believed, they all spread it out, speaking different languages. So this is why you'll find a lot of religions outside of the Bible that are very similar but they'll have the same type of gods and the same type of doctrine. All right, so from here, we're going to go into um, a few things because when we understand who Nimrod is, another name for Nimrod is Baal. That's something that a lot of people don't know. And if you notice in the, in the scriptures, the name Baal is used quite a bit against the children of Israel. You know, the things that they had done for Baal or whatever. So we're going to knock out a few scriptures there to get an idea of what... Um, Nimrod's worship was, and then from there, we're going to go into, we're going to get into the false religions, a couple of them. So uh, let's start at, let's go to uh, Judges 2, 
2, uh, two verse 12. Yeah, kind of, yeah. But it's funny when you break that word up in Hebrew, too. The funny thing about Hebrew is one word could have several meanings, you know? So it's kind of like, yeah, their languages were confounded, but Bob itself, um, you know, means gate, and L means God. So it's kind of funny how, you know, it's a gate to God, and that's what wow. they were trying to do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it does mean, I guess, confusion, too, like Martin was saying, like babbling, like because they couldn't understand one another. And they'll tell you in the book of uh, Jasher that they were trying to understand each other, that the tower was so tall that it would take a year's time for one brick to get from the bottom up to where they were building. Wow. You know, yeah, and they said that they didn't know because they couldn't understand each other whether to put a brick up or let it go. And, I mean, people were just getting killed. They were falling off of it. They couldn't understand one another. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, what did I say? Joshua 2.12, right? Oh, Judges. Judges. Sorry, my fault. Yeah, I'm way off today. Come on. Everybody's there? Right. Okay, Judges 2, verse 12. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed, them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord, and served Baal and Ashtaroth. Now you guys know, Ashtaroth is another name for, you know, uh, Isis, Mary, all the other names in other cultures, you know, um, what's her name, Diana, Venus, you know, that name, Easter, you know, so uh, this is what they've done, and they were still worshiping Nimrod long after he left, so, and that's why the Lord didn't want the children of Israel even mingling or marrying into these other tribes, because they would bring their false religion that would make them not obey God. Okay, so from here, I just want to get into a few of these before we go right into the study. Uh, let's go to Judges 3.7. Oh, we're right here. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's true. Everyone else had to turn. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And it says, um, we'll start at verse 6. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and served their gods. So these were people, again, that were messing around with the Canaanites and the Hittites, the tribes the Lord said to stay away from. Verse 7. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forget uh, the Lord their God and served Balaam and the groves. Now everybody knows what the groves are. The groves are those places where... They would build, you know, like poles that would have women on them. Like the same way you see people having strip clubs today, they were actually worshiping that type of thing. So even in, like, you know, you go to strip clubs today and you see people that are there, they don't realize that they're doing the same thing, worshiping the groves that they had in Babylon. They would have these um, statues of women's bodies that these people would go to. 
So, you know, in some ways, of course, that was disobedience. They might have, you know, ISIS up there or Asteroth or whatever, but it's the same culture going on today that you find in places like that. So you understand that Nimrod's belief system, I mean, it carries all through, you know, society today. It's like no way to look and not have it. All right, let's go to... um, Let's go to 1 Kings 18. I just want to give a few examples. Okay, 1 Kings 18, and we'll start at uh, verse 18. <laughs> uh, and he answered, And have not troubled Israel, but thou thy, and thy father's house, in that uh, ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. So, you know, um, well, go to 19. Now, therefore, send and gather to me all children unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, see, 400, um, which eat at Jezebel's table. So, you know, what we understand here is, we're not going to go fully through it, but Elijah went up against the prophets of Baal. He killed 450 of them because these were who the children of Israel were following. You know, um, Ahab's wife, Ahab was the seventh king of um, Israel. And he did all evil in the sight of the Lord. And his wife Jezebel, you know, is another word for like Baal, but it means unmarried. Like she was married to Baal. So it meant like no matter what, even if she married another man, that she would be married to Baal. Like pretty much the daughter of Satan or the daughter of, you know, of of Baal. And her dad's name was named, um, what was it, Ephbel? Which meant like he was a servant of Baal. So... That's pretty much, you know, how Nimrod, even all the way up through Kings, Nimrod was killed in Genesis, but even all the way up through Kings, all the way through Romans and other places that you would still have the same thing concerning him. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to give a New Testament example, and then we'll go right into the study. Uh, let's go to Romans 11. start at verse 1. We'll go here real quick. Um, Verse 1, Romans 11. I mean, any bigger than this, and I'll be like, (laughs) no, but uh, I say then, have God cast away his people, God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Uh, What ye... What ye not uh, what the scriptures saith to Elias, Elijah, uh, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, 
Lord, they have killed thy prophets and digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith uh, the answer of God unto him, and have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal? So what's interesting here is we're reading this right here in Romans with Paul. This is around the time he's doing the work for the Lord. But they're still dealing with the whole thing concerning Elijah and his time when he went against the prophets of Baal and Jezebel and Ahab. And you got Paul saying that God has reserved 7,000 men who won't bow the knee to Baal. Um, that can be said in a lot of ways. One, they wouldn't be in false religion. So these would be a chosen people that follow the ways of God. Two, you know, they would not bow to Jezebel. We're going to do a whole study on Jezebel because her spirit, I mean, when she was, uh, I don't know how familiar everyone is with this here, but she was wicked. She was a whore and a witch. She was eventually, you know, killed and taken out of the way. Her body was eaten by dogs, but what the dogs ended up leaving, remember, they ate everything except the skull, the hands, and the feet. Now, if you think about it, those are the five places that Jesus was pierced. That's in another study, though, we're going to go into. But it, it also said that even though she was gone, her mind, the mind of Jezebel would still be around, the hands to do the work, and she's still walking around. This is why Jesus quoted in the um, in Revelation 7 or Revelation uh, 3 about suffering that witch Jezebel, that spirit Jezebel. Because it goes into a lot of women, you know, where a lot of women want to be pastors. You know, you got a lot of women that will turn men against one another. You know, like the, it's just that whole Antichrist, or when they talk about the whore that, that rides the beast in Revelation, they're pretty much talking about that spirit of Jezebel, the harlot, you know, that wants to go against God, that hates the men of God. A lot of these women will go in churches and destroy men, destroy pastors. You know, they'll linger around, try and seduce them, try and get something started, and just tear churches down. And that spirit is everywhere. So, you know, this is something that when he talked about them not bowing the knee, these would be people who would go outside of, you know, they would stay with the Lord and all he commanded because this is what he's expecting to go against that spirit the same way Elijah did. Okay, so from here, I just wanted to prove that, you know, and the other thing about these false religions, if you notice, they're always like promoting women to some degree, to the status of goddess right. or like God. The same way you see in the Catholic Church, you know, Mary, Queen of Heaven, you know, stuff like that. It's kind of like that same spirit that wants to undo everything that God has in, has in his order. You know, it's not that women couldn't do things, but they'll try and go against them. All right. Absolutely. And, and you know what? That's a great example because that's exactly what's playing out today. Um, we're going to go a little into um, Hindu, uh, Hinduism. They're actually going to be first because um, there's some key points here that they have that are... Um, there's some key points about how all the religions, including this, comes out of Babylon... I'll save these for Eric and Holly when they come. But um, we're going to read these, read up on these, and we're going to match them to the scriptures to see if we're worshiping the same God. I know a lot of people, you know, think so, and they think there's no big deal. 
we get through here, there's going to be no mistake in it. Not that we don't already know. Okay. Uh, it's called Hindu Gods and Goddesses. Hindus acknowledge that at the most fundamental level, God is one without a second. See, now that sounds like, okay, well, that's kind of like what we would think, you know, the same way it is in the Bible. But if we keep reading, it says, um, the absolute formless and only uh, reality known as Brahman, the supreme universal soul, Brahman is the universe, is the universe and everything in it. Brahman has no form and no limits. Um, it is reality and truth. So what we understand here is this is kind of like what you hear with the New Agers when they talk about the universe. You know, um, the universe set me straight. The universe is listening. You know, the universe is this and the universe is that. So these people don't believe in an exact supreme being. They believe that, you know, God is a force and we can all tap into it. Now, see, what's interesting about that is there is some truth in that, you know, because we have the Holy Ghost that keeps things in order. But you see, Satan, the reason why I think these religions um, deceive people is because Satan knew, he had an idea of how things worked in the heavens. You know, he had an understanding, okay, I know the Holy Ghost does this, I know God the Father does this, I know Jesus Christ does this. But the funny thing here is, you know, he'll create his own religions by using little tiny bits of truth just to drive you into error. Okay, so, um, let's see. Uh, thus, Hinduism is a pantheistic religion. It equates God with the universe. Yet, Hindu religion is also polytheistic, um, you know, meaning many gods. Uh, populated with uh, myriad gods and goddesses who personify aspect of the one true God, uh, allowing individuals an infinite number of ways to worship based on family tradition, community, regional practices, and other considerates. Now, you know, again, you know that that's not our God because the Bible will tell you his name, you know, that now well, there is a real trinity, but then you have the understanding that, you know, one, they are God. They are one. So it's not like you're making a real separation. They are distinct, but we have one God. Where these people believe in many gods. You know, they feel like each God does one different thing. I also want to pass out one other thing, too. I'm always scrambling with this. I should look this stuff over before I even go through it. Let's see, put that here. But, I mean, you guys can comment if you want to say anything. Well, it's, it's, it talks about these goddesses, and one of them is Shiva, which is the destroyer of the universe. So it's mm -hmm. like, what's the point of this whole thing, then? It's like they have, you know, exactly. the universe said this or whatever, but then again, they have goddesses that destroy it. Exactly. Have they even, I mean, have they even tried to destroy it, or how do they know they're going to destroy it? I don't know. Well, I think a lot of them try and do, too. What I think a lot of them attempt to do is, I don't know if you guys have ever heard them talk about that um, Judas Iscariot wasn't really a traitor. The Lord chose him because the Lord wanted him to betray him. Have you guys ever heard that story before? Okay, well, there's this false book called the Gospel of Thomas where they try and claim 
that Jesus chose him to do his will. In other words, to make Thomas, I mean, not to make Thomas, to make um, Judas look like a good guy. People will also do this too in Judaism, and they'll tell you that Satan himself, you know, is an adversary, but he's working for the Lord. He's just doing the things that the Lord tells him to do, you know, and then the Lord acts according to it. Like, in other words, they're pals. Now, you know that that's totally false because our God has nothing to do with that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we'll read through a couple if of these guys. If that was true, then he wouldn't have killed himself. Exactly. He would have asked for forgiveness. Exactly. You know, he was he was a devil. I mean, not to, to say the least. He never really believed like the others did. And this was a guy who casted out devils and did other things, but he still didn't believe. And you're going to find people like that. Regardless of what they've seen or what they've been shown, some people will read through their Bibles and still never fully believe. Mm -hmm. Those are the wheats and the tares that the Bible talks about. Okay, um, let's see. Did I go through that yet? Brahma, the creator. This is what they claim. Uh, is the first member of the Hindu trinity. You see, now they're talking trinity like they're, you know. And is the creator because he periodically creates everything in the universe and the Lord periodically here refers to the Hindu belief uh, that time is cyclical. Uh, everything in the universe except for Brahman and uh, certain Hindu scriptures is created, maintained uh, for a certain amount of time, and then destroyed in order to be renewed and ideal from again. Uh, you know, exactly, where they get the whole idea. We're going to go through two of these, and then we're going to hit the scriptures on this. Uh, Vishnu, the preserver, is the second member of the Hindu trinity. He maintains the order and harmony of the universe, which is periodically created by Brahma and periodically destroyed by Shiva uh, to compare uh, for the next creation. Vishnu is worshipped in many forms and in several avatars uh, incarnations. Vishnu is an important, somewhat mysterious god, less visible uh, than nature gods, uh, that presides over elements such as fire and rain. Vishnu is a pervader. Uh, the divine essence that pervades the universe, he is usually worshipped in the form of an avatar. Now, we're going to hit the scriptures on this real quick, because... The funny thing is, they're talking about this so-called God of the Trinity comes in many different forms. Now, we know that our God is God, so he doesn't have to do all those things. Uh, let's go to Malachi 3. Malachi is a book right before Matthew. Right, it's... Um, the separation between the Old and New Testament. Right. Yeah. All right. We're at um, Malachi 3. We'll go to verse 6. And it says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. So one thing we understand about the Lord is he's not going to change just to try and be different, to, to you know, meet different needs. 
even though he might have, like, if, if we want to equate, like, they'll try and do Vishnu to the Lord, I guess. You know, like, they'll try and say he's like Jesus, the second member of the Trinity. Now, Jesus, of course, you know, he appeared in heaven and he was here on the earth. So you can see they're trying to, like, make it seem like he's a type of Jesus. But the Bible here says that he changes none. And then here, let's go to um, Hebrews 13 real quick. So it's just one quick verse. Jesus Christ, uh, where at verse 8? Uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So well, for them to talk about, like, trying to switch things up and be this and be that, <laughs> you know, it's just showing you right here that there's a big distinction between our God and their God. Okay, so from here we're going to go on. Let me pass some of these other things out real quick. Oh, yeah, they Shiva. Why uh -huh. made them choose to go the Hindu route? Get out in front of Stern. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. A, uh, right. Yeah, uh, Shiva is none other than Satan. We should read up on him real quick because I just want to um, make this real quick point. But, yeah, he's none other than Satan. They're really all Satan, if you want the truth. But this is Satan trying to play both sides of things, claiming to be the most high God. Uh, Shiva is the third member of the Hindu trinity tasked with destroying the universe in order to prepare for its renewal at the end of each uh, cycle of time. Shiva's destructive power is regenerative. Uh, it, is necessary, it is a necessary step uh, that uh, makes renewal uh, possible. Hindus customarily invoke Shiva before the beginning of any religious or um, spiritual endeavor. They believe that any bad vibrations in the immediate vicinity of worship are eliminated by the mere utterance of the praise, I mean, of his praise or name. So if you look at this here, Shiva is supposed to be a type of Satan. The funny thing is they're trying to put them both together. You know, it's funny how Shiva's doing a job, you know, and they're worshiping Shiva, calling on Shiva, but then they're calling on this so-called good guy, Brahma, to do certain things too. So what you understand is it's kind of like that yin-yang symbol that the, you know, the Asians have where all things go together. So let's go to Ephesians 5 real quick. So I thought Shiva was a, a goddess because the statue has like... Goddess. Oh, that's... Kali is the goddess. Shiva is like the male version. Um, Kali's supposed to be the daughter of Shiva. But Shiva... One thing about Satan's kingdom, like... I don't know if you guys ever noticed, like, even in... Um, Chinese culture and other things, how even in the Chinese operas, you'll find the men dressed like women with makeup, they'll have the faces painted, and in a lot of, excuse me, in a lot of um, cultures, you'll see like the men looking very feminine in nature, yeah. as if you can't really tell the difference between the two, mm -hmm. 
Well, they also call the Lord in um, the Bible. I'm trying to find the scripture, but he's known as like the big breasted one or the breasted God. I'm not, and this is right here in the scripture. I'm not even kidding. Um, I'll have to, I, I didn't know this was coming up or I would have presented it, but there is a scripture that refers to God the Father or, or Jesus Christ as the breasted one. Like in other words, you know, when they talk about his people desiring the sincere milk, you know, of the word, like he's that source, you know, that they flow from. So Shiva is kind of like Satan trying to be the same thing. But Shiva is supposed to be the god of destruction. His daughter, Kali, is the one that's responsible for yoga. And she's the goddess of death or whatever, the ones that you see with all the oh, arms yeah. and the heads and things like that. Ephesians what? Ephesians 5. All right, and we'll start at 11. And this is what the Lord says. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. So, you know, again, this even talks about how the Lord himself being different from all the other things that were, you know, that he's not half dark, half light. He's a God of light. He's a God of truth. You know, he's a God of goodness. You know, he's faithful. He's pure. Where Satan, on the other hand, you know, the Bible makes very clear that they have no connection. So, uh, let's see. Let's go to Second Corinthians real quick. Six. All right, we'll start at verse uh, 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship uh, hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Another name for Satan. Uh, or what part uh, hath he believed with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. Um, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Um, wherefore, come out from among them, and, among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So we understand here again, like we were reading in Ephesians 5, there's a big separation between God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. What you find in the other worlds is they'll try and pin those two together, you know, like it's all the same. Like they'll try and, and Buddhism is the exact same way. I'm going to read um, a couple of things here in Hinduism. I wasn't able to print out a little more than this, but I'm going to go through some of what they believe, and we're going to check this out with scripture. So I'm just going to read this real quick, guys. There are said to be over 300 million different gods and goddesses in the Hindu pantheon. And this page presents information of some of the most well-known deities, including the gods Shiva, Vishnu, Kali, Durga, Brahma, Sarawati, Sarawasti, 
and others. Despite having so many different celestial beings, most Hindus consider their religion to be monotheistic, having a singular universal God, as opposed to being polytheistic, having different gods. The majority of Hindus adopt the chosen deity known as Ishta, Ishta Devita, Ishta Devita, uh, which they um, worship as an anthropomorphic human-like form of the one universal God known as Brahman. Okay, so um, I'm going to read some of these because I'm going to hit these with scripture. This is one of their gods called Agni, the Hindu god of fire. Although little known, Agni is truly one of the most important Hindu gods and is invoked whenever an offering is burnt. You know, funny point here is they're talking about their offerings, how he's been pinned up. I think this in some ways relates to scripture because I think this is what Elijah was dealing with. So right now, let's go to... Uh, 1 Kings 18. But you see, God is not the author of confusion. So when you see these things where they're just pinning stuff together and, oh, we're monotheistic, but we got all these other gods that we pray to, you know, Satan's kingdom is all confusion. It's never about the truth. Even when you look at a lot of the philosophies and things of other religions, it's always could be or couldn't be. You know, you choose. So that just pretty much leaves you, you know, to fend for yourself. Well, and we had a Buddhist Hindu wedding. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah, I remember you telling me about that, yeah. So now it makes sense of why they were still easily compatible. Oh, yeah. Oh, Buddhists and Hindu together? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they pretty much worship the same God. Yep. Let's go to 1 Kings 18. We'll start in verse 24. 18, verse 24. Uh, and call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose uh, you one bullock, uh, one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first. For ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it. And called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any other, I mean, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon, and Elijah mocked him and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Neither he is talking, I mean, either he is talking, or he is pursuing. <laughs> or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth, and must be awake. So what, you know, Elijah's doing here is, this was one of the displays when he was going against the prophets of Baal. Elijah told them, get everybody, you know, all your prophets together. Now, we're going to take this bullock, and we're going to wet it. 
You know, we're going to take this bullock and leave it here. The God that answers by fire is the true God. You see, but when I, the reason why I brought this up is because I believe that these people, these Baal worshippers, were also like, they believed the same thing that Hindus believed. But the interesting point is they tried to call on this God of fire that they probably knew, but he's not going to answer because he's not God. You see, one of the funny things is these false religions will tell you that someone is God, but they know the true God, and they would never go against him. You know, they would oppose you, but they'll never go against someone with real Holy Ghost power. Right. Okay, so where are we at? Uh, verse 28. And they cried aloud and cut themselves in their manner with knives and lances, till the blood gushed out upon them. And they and they came to and it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. And there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regard. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. So I guess these people got angry. Their God didn't show up. You know, broke it down. 31. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four, four barrels of water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time, and they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time, and they did it a third time. So this thing is soaked. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, another word for Jacob, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O God, hear me, this, uh, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. So this tells you here, again, our God is the real God. The gods of Baal are pretty much the gods of all these other false religions. You know, if we can go all through scripture, you would see that even symbols, everything that they put up. But the God, our God, is the one that answered by fire. You know, so from here, let's go to um, Isaiah uh, 42 real quick. Because these guys are talking about all these other gods and things that, you know, man, if your God is God, then why do you need other gods?
having so much trouble with the Bible today. <laughs> man, here we go. Isaiah 42, we'll start at verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare before thy before they spring forth, I tell you of them, sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise from the end of the earth, ye that go down to the sea, and all that all that is therein, uh, the isles, and in the inhabitants thereof. This tells you here again, he will not give his honor or his glory to another God. Mm-hmm. You know, so for all these guys that believe that these uh, Vishnu and these guys are turning into other people. The Lord would never do that for the simple fact that he doesn't have to. And then you see all these religions, they have graven images. We're not even allowed to have graven, graven images of what we even think is Jesus Christ. You know, so that's a sin because the Lord knows he doesn't need idols. Okay, so from here, let's go to Psalm uh, 96. Yeah, but people think you believe in the God of the Bible. You're crazy. Right. But, you know, these gods are like... <laughs> you know, if you believe in the one true God, you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and His Word. And that's right. it. That's but it. But all these other religions, you got this God that creates and this God that destroys and this God that preserves and this that does that and that. And then, you know, that's they, right. they don't like you anyways. <laughs> That's right, and you're going to find all these religions, they all do the same things. I'm going to pass out something, too, because this is from ancient Babylon and India. I think this is it, yep. But this looks very much like the Buddhist religion and the Hindus. This is from India. But you see that thing there with the statue holding the woman? That's the Madonna. That's what they call it. This is where they get the idea of Jesus and Mary. You know, this comes all the way from Babylon with Nimrod and Semiramis. Is that where Madonna the singer got her name from? Uh, probably, because we'll even find that the word divas is even important too in these cultures that uh, are supposed to be other gods. I want to read something real quick too, considering that image. Uh, let's see. Okay, this is it. This is from the book, The Two Babylons. It says, The Catholic Church has elevated Mary to divine status and given her titles and responsibilities reserved to God the Father and His Son. In fact, she becomes the third member of the Trinity modeled after the pagan trinities of ancient times. These heathen trinities found in most polytheistic religions follow the father-mother-son pattern Osiris, Isis, and Horus, you know, they come out of Egypt. Then there's Nimrod, Semiramis, and Tammuz, which come out of Babylon. And then you have uh, Zeus, Diana, and Dionysus. Um, Yeah, Dionysus, which come out of um, Greece. And then you have Jupiter, Venus, and Cupid. You know, so that's a... And this is why a lot of people believe that when they talk about the virgin birth, that a lot of people don't believe it in cultures, even though it's true. But the point is, is the devil knew about this, and this is why he tried to get 
people to believe in these gods, knowing that the one true God was coming. I always talk about when you go to Genesis 3, and Jesus said, well, the Lord said to Satan, he said, I will put enmity between her seed and the serpent seed. Don't think that Satan wasn't already thinking ahead, Calvary. See, to us, that just seems like regular writing. Like, okay, put enmity between this one and that one. But Satan, being a spiritual being, understood, okay, he's going to send his son down here, you know, to do whatever. And you, why do we know this? What did he try to do after that prophecy? He tried to cause a flood. That, you know, eight people had to escape because the Lord went to Noah. He was trying to stop the coming men. He was trying to wipe out man. Then what did he do? You know, he captured the children of Israel. He put his giants in the land of Canaan, hoping that they would never come into that promise where he knew the Messiah was supposed to be born. You see, so he always tried to offset prophecy. Even when he was born, what did remember? Jesus had to flee the place of his birth because Herod came to kill him. Remember, he was going to kill every firstborn or male. So, you know, knowing that they came from the lineage of Jesus, or Jesus would come out of that lineage, Satan had always tried to offset prophecy. And I believe that's why he came up with all these false religions and these false gods. But you see, this is why the Catholic Church is largely responsible for why other people believe that um, Jesus is just a knockoff from all these other religions. Not understanding that the Catholic Church saw a perfect opportunity to say, okay, we're going to keep our same gods, but we're going to try and Christianize it. And that's all Catholicism really truly is. It's just trying to Christianize old Babylon, you know, old pagan beliefs. So they found, you know, they knew that Jesus would be born of a virgin, or he was. So they'll say, oh, okay, we can equate this with Mary, you know, being Semiramis and Jesus being Tammuz or, you know, one of the other characters. All right, so yeah, if you look at these, I mean, these come out of India and uh, Babylon. They're very similar to what Buddhists believe, and it's the same belief system. Okay, that's uh, Psalm 96. So what's, the, what's the tree behind that other statue? Uh, I think it's just the tree. <laughs> and then if you look at the baby, it's like it's the opposite. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, and you see, even the, um, remember that picture of Baphomet where we had the as above, so below? Mm -hmm. It kind of looks like that's what you're seeing there, too, with the one hand up and the other down. It's kind of like the same belief system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I need to look this up because I just got the book, so I want to read through it and know what, you know, some of the symbology is here. But the tree may actually mean something more. And why does it have three legs and one hand yeah. off? Oh, um. Yeah. It's only two legs. If you look at it, there's like a there's like a, like oh, a veil. Short come there. <laughs> and then the leg. Oh yeah. The leg is wrapped right. around. Oh. It, it almost looks like the third leg, but. It's oh yeah. Just the baby's legs that comes. Right. So you see, the symbol first came from Babylon, and then it's um in India, you know, and then it spread abroad from other places. All right, Psalm ninety six. We'll start at verse one. And sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Shew forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. 
He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor, the ma honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are, are in his sanctuary. So, you know, again, this tells you here, if it's an idol, it's not the true God. Mm -hmm. Because our God, he's not into idols or idol worship. Okay, I wanted to read... Um, Go through a couple of these guys again. I know I'm jumping. We'll go into Buddhism in a minute. But um, here, it's another God called the Asuras. The Asuras are generally considered uh, divine beings who are primarily known to do um, for doing evil, but not always. <laughs> it might be better to say that the Asuras are powerful beings who often are opposed to the gods. Uh, by the end of the Vedic uh, period, However, the assurance had attained their more demonic role. So, I mean, look at this here. The assurance to me sounds like the uh, angels in Genesis 6. Because if you think about it, remember, the angels came and they brought knowledge, but they also had come and became, when God kicked them out, they were permanently evil. So this is what I'm thinking that they're trying to refer to, because how can something that's supposed to be a god be sometimes evil? but then good. That sounds, again, like they're trying to mix that whole yin-yang thing when really God is a God of good. He's not a God of evil. Uh, okay, we read through, well, look at what they say about Brahma here. Well, this is on here, but it says, sure, Brahma created the universe and delivered the Vedas to mankind, but Brahma has a dark side that many Westerners don't really know about. Now, does this sound like the God of the Bible? <laughs> You know, he has a dark side that he wants to do things I mean, no one knows about. This sounds like someone in secret. Here's another one, Devi, the divine mother goddess. While Devi is nurturing mother goddess, she has many wrathful forms as well. How can such a caring goddess be so cruel? Well, yeah, because she's not good. She's not good. You know, and I mean, it's just, these are the gods and goddesses of Hinduism that you have to appease them or they'll turn violent with you? I mean, this doesn't even sound like something you would want to do. <laughs> Duna combines the energies of all the male Hindu gods into one wrathful goddess. Now, what does this go back to? Baphomet. Remember how they talked about bringing man and woman together. But they're saying that all these men become one goddess. I mean, so it's goddess worship. It's not even about the truth concerning the patriarchal authority of God. There was one other character on here I wanted to go to real quick before we move forward. But, uh, oh, check this out. You, you guys ever heard of um, the Hindu god um, Hanuman? Well, Obama walked around with this thing in his pocket. It's like a monkey god. But when he was going for his inauguration, he walked around with this little thing in his pocket. Okay, Hanuman is so heroic and brave. Yeah, pretty much. It's so heroic and brave that this monkey god has won the hearts of many Hindu devotees. Okay, uh, let's see. Ganja, Ganesh. Ganesh is the elephant-headed god. Have you guys ever seen that? Oh, yeah. Where it looks like it's an elephant with the four arms? Okay, as an um, elephant-headed god of success and is one of the most beloved Hindu deities in the world. So remember, god of success. You know, I often believe, even when you have Joe Osteen and these guys dealing with that stuff about success, 
about how you pray, pray and ask God for success. Increase. Exactly. I believe this is these are the type of gods that they're really calling on. Because it's not the spirit of God to ask for these things. Uh, there's another one called ganja. I guess it means like the Ganges River, not like, you know, marijuana. But, well, ganja um, may have fallen from heaven and been relegated to earth. Her role in the life of Hindus should not be underestimated. So fallen from heaven. I mean, you know, if you went through the scriptures to understand that these entities were fallen. The Bible speaks of fallen angels. But, you know, they were fallen from heaven for a reason. It wasn't because they were good. You know, um, there's one other I'm trying to find, but it talked about how this thing would have like fiery darts or something like that. Let's see. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. I don't think I can, but there was one God on here. Who was responsible pretty much for um, disease and sickness? That this thing was known to, you know, um, cast fiery darts or darts at people to get them sick, you know. And the interesting thing here is the Bible talks about in Ephesians 6 having on your full armor to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. So this thing is for real concerning even disease. You know, the fact that these things have what they have. But okay, so we're going to go into Buddhism real quick because we're going to really hit a lot of scriptures with that. But part of it is because they worship the same gods. Buddhism is just a sect from Hinduism. They pretty much worship the same thing. This is a, it's called Buddhist Gods and Goddesses. I mean, now, you know, the funny thing about Buddhism is everybody thinks it's the most harmless religion. A lot of people have flocked to it because it doesn't seem like you're doing much to anybody. You know, it just seems like that type of religion that doesn't offend. You know, the story of Buddha, obviously, they said that he, you know, he was a man that left home, left his wife and his kid, mind you, you know, was enlightened by God because his third eye was open. You know, so what does that tell you? But anyway, he, um, you know, supposedly did all these great things for people. He came up with his own belief system. He doesn't believe in the God of the Bible. He doesn't even believe in the creator God. But he still has the same Hindu gods. So there's something really weird about that, how he worships them, but he doesn't worship a creator God. Mm -hmm. So this is where a lot of uh, New Age uh, religion comes from. All right, we'll start at the top. Uh, Buddhist people don't refuge gods, but they only ask help from gods. A lot of Buddhist, a lot of Buddhist gods can be attracted to you by mind requesting. So that's like opening yourself up. That's a form of meditation that you'll find in a lot of things that they do, just to try and get you to open up so something can enter you. Okay, uh, if they take your requesting into into consideration, I guess that's what they're trying to say. Uh, they will show it by dream or some sign. These dreams can be seen by you or your family, family member, who has best precepts. I don't know who typed this, but 
You know, it ain't right. <laughs> That's true. Oh. Yeah. Then you should, uh, I mean, then you need to transfer merit for that God by doing big merit work by yourself. Lord Buddha said, practicing of devotion uh, to triple gem, observe five precepts, Dharma learning. You know, so, I mean, if you go back to here where it says that you need to transfer merit for that God by doing big merit work, and this tells you that it's based on work. So, you know, we got to go to Ephesians 2 to talk about our God as opposed to their God. But you see, this is why you'll find in these other religions, people walking on their knees till they bleed. And, you know, right. you got people even crucifying themselves, thinking that they're doing a great work for the Lord. And it's pretty much like the Lord saying, you just got holes in your hands. That was a waste of time. You know, if you survive, maybe you'll know the real me. Right. But, you know, these people do all these things for absolutely nothing. All right, Ephesians 2, we'll start at verse 8. Well, let's go to verse 7. Uh, that in the ages to come, he might shew an exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and, not of, and <laughs> that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So it's saying here, you can't put the cart before the horse. You have to worship uh, You have to worship God, believe in God. If you're a good man in God, you're going to have good works, but you'll be led by the Spirit of God. You're not earning your salvation. The salvation itself is a gift, but the you know these other religions, they'll tell you, Man, you got to work hard. You got to do this. You got to starve yourself to death. You know, you got all this stuff happening, but our God is a God of grace. He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's a God that knows the beginning from the end. You know, so these other religions, they're trying to work people out. That was the most freeing scripture for all of us. Oh, yeah. Witnesses. <laughs> and you know what? That's a great point because Jehovah's Witnesses have adopted the same belief system and working your way to salvation and it's funny how you know it comes out of freemasonry which <laughs> you know it's the same system everything that is antichrist believes almost exactly the same mm -hmm. and it's all about working okay so here are brief descriptions of the six heavens the name of heaven kratur maha rajika i probably butchered that one four regions uh, Santa Warum uh, gods. Now, you know, if you're a Buddhist, you have to actually believe that these individuals exist. Okay? Now, this one is talking about lifetime in human years, nine million years. Names of the main gods. This is the first heaven. <laughs> the second heaven is Tawat Timza, Tawat Timza, uh, 33 kingdoms. 33. <laughs> yeah, Sacra uh, Devandra, 36 million years. I mean, this is bizarre, but Yamaha, fresh-minded gods. Su uh, Sumaya, <laughs> and they made 144 million years. Now, these are not, you know, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. 
to Sinta, um, God stay in happy, uh, San, San to San to sister to sitter of 576 million years. So these guys are like, I mean, look at this 2,304 million years that these people believe in these gods, that they're actually real gods. And, um, you see, they'll tell you that Buddhism is all about, you know, little Buddha going around helping people. But you see, when you get past a certain point, uh, I don't know if you ever seen like in some practices where Buddhists will ring a bell, you know, after they, they pray their prayer. Well, these are the entities that they're supposedly praying to along with the Hindu gods that they're trying to get things from. But they, um, we're going to go into some of the uh, no. <laughs> oh, gods have all lust. Yeah. Yeah, when they're demons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. 9,206 million years. I mean, that's unbelievable. Or 9 billion, 206 million years. I count past a million. That's like, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy because, I mean, you know, they also tell you that there are just Buddhist gods. But there are many, um, I mean, well, they'll say that just Buddha's a male. They also have Buddha females, you know, and they also pray to them. So Buddhism is anything but, I should pull all this up, but Buddhism is anything but what they tell you it is. Did you notice that if you look at these years, the top to bottom, if you actually draw around it, it forms a triangle? Uh-uh. Really? What are you saying? Like, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a great point. Now we're gonna go into um, some of the divas. Yeah, you guys have to see these. These are the divas. Yeah, because we just do the numbers. That's true, yeah. Yeah, when we get the term diva, it's interesting because, you know, the word diva is used for, like, women when they become um, <laughs> big, you know, celebrities, like big stars. They use the term diva. Now, these divas are also a part of Buddhism and Hinduism. But, uh, yeah, let's read up on them real quick. Uh, a diva, Sanskrit and Pali in Buddhism is one of many different types of non-human beings who share the characteristics of being more powerful, longer lived, and in general, much happier than humans, although none of them are worthy of worship. So these are talking about like these ascended masters that these people believe in. But they're not worthy of worship? Yeah, but they, uh, they live longer and, you know, all these other things. Uh, let's see. Is this the whole page? Yes, okay. All right, let's look at the power of the divas. Divas are invisible to the human eye. The presence of a diva can be detected by those humans who have opened the divine eye. Now, you guys know what the divine eye is. I actually saved a few of them. Have you guys ever heard of the um, kundalini uh, thing? The kundalini experience, like in yoga, 
that some people see. I'll pass it around real quick. I think I used it once on the. Um, yeah, but there's that um, serpent that runs up the spine. Did we have a go over there? There it is right here. Yeah, you guys can pass it around. I think I only have one. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one. The medical symbol is used for it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like that. Yep. But that's supposed to be the, the thing that they go through when they practice yoga and go into other types of meditations, that this serpent really begins at the base of your spine, and it goes around like this, hitting the different chakras in the body until it opens up your pineal gland. And show it to Jake when you're done. But yeah, that's pretty much what they're um, they're doing with that. So this is what they're talking about with the divas. Can I let a parasite in? <laughs> you know, like a spirit parasite, yeah. Yeah. Sick. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, and it says, I open the divine eye. An extrasensory power by which one can be... Um, one can see beings from other planes. Their voices can also be heard by those who have cultivated Diva, Diva Rastra, Diva Yarastra. Yeah, must be <laughs> a similar power of the air. <laughs> Most Divas are also capable of constructing illusionary forms by which they can manifest themselves to the beings of lower worlds. Higher and lower divas even have to do uh, this between each other. Diva, see, higher and lower divas. What are they talking about? Remember, there were the spirits that were in the earth, the spirits of the giants, and then you had the fallen angels that were further out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, where am I? Divas do not require. Oh, divas do not require the same sustenance as humans do, although the lower kinds do eat and drink. The higher sorts of divas shine with their own intrinsic luminosity. Yeah. Divas are also capable of moving great distances speedily uh, of and of flying through the air. Although the lower divas sometimes accomplish this through magical aids, such as a flying chariot. Now, understand what they're talking about here. This is where people get this whole UFO thing. This is where people talk about these individuals or these things. Now, these guys are calling them stars, divas, when, you know, even when you look in a lot of martial arts things and those old movies and, you know, you find a lot of those, like, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you see the people flying. These people are like, you know, they have demonic spirits in them. That stuff is not fake. That's real. Yeah. You'd, be, you'd be surprised at the remarkable things that martial artists and people that are in those things can do. I mean, there's Indian gurus that can walk right through walls. <laughs> you can probably Google that, you know, and look it up. They can drive in the back seat of a car um, blindfolded, driving the car. I'm not even kidding, you know. But these are the type of things that when these people have demonic power, you know, this is what they do. So let's go to Colossians real quick. We're going to Colossians 2. Because it's clear that these people are... Um, Believing in these gods, well, these so-called gods, would you say? Yeah, pretty much. We'll go to Colossians 2, we'll start at verse 8. 
um, verse 18, actually. Colossians 2, verse 18. beguile you of your reward in involuntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which which he hath not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding the head uh, from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increased with the increase of God so you know what he's telling you here is you got a lot of these false religions, if they're not believing in the God of the Bible, you know, because it's pretty clear that they believe two different things, then they're believing in these fallen angels that the Bible talks about in Genesis 6 and others. And every belief system, culture out there, they're all into the, um, they're worshiping the angels, obviously, or Satan himself, because there's only two powers. You have the God of the Bible, and then you have Satan. <laughs> So they're obviously worshiping a false god, right. you know, because for one, God said that he would never be an idol, okay, or never give his glory to another god, and then he's saying don't worship the angels. So then what are these people worshiping if they're not worshiping God? They're talking about Buddha being, you know, doing all these things for people, but then how does this get into Buddhism? Who's this character? This is a diva. This is what divas are supposedly look like, but... You can pass it around. They have the six arms and things like that that they do, but it's in the same lotus style as, um, you know, that the yoga people do. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm going to read up something real quick on yoga, too, because, uh, you know, there was a guy who had actually discovered. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because once they go through that kundalini experience, some of them are called like two-headed women. So you'll have like a, a person that can see the natural and the spiritual realm. It's like that, having that perception. Wow. Yeah. There's so many people doing yoga these days. Oh, exactly. And wearing yoga pants. <laughs> Even when they don't do yoga. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> That's so true. What's that? There, well, there's three cobras. I just noticed that one bear, one bear, one bear. Well, yeah, and those are the fairies. They have some of them. They, the, the serpent is really, um, what do you call it? Like she's only that pitchfork that the, what's the... the like a trident? Yeah. Yeah, like the same thing that you find in um, Greek culture where they talk about, what's his name? Poseidon, Zeus, Poseidon, you know, yeah. yeah those guys, yep. Well, this is a yoga instructor. He's a former yoga instructor that talks about, you know, his experience. He's now a Christian, but he had to pull himself out of it, or the Lord had to pull him out because he was in a really rough uh, situation. Uh, check this out. The reason, the reason I started this article with a picture of a yoke is that what is that's what the word yoga means, yoke. 
But what most people don't know is that you are actually being yoked to Hindu false de god demons. Yoga was created by Hindus that worship uh, literally thousands of false gods, otherwise known as demons. The Posse, oh, does that say Posse? Oh, the, all right, sorry. Let's see. thing was acting up. Okay, the poses are actually worship poses uh, to different Hindu false gods. Most are very naive about what they are doing, and the course of most aren't being told about this. I'm sure most people that consider themselves Christians would never want to yoke themselves to Hindu demons, but that's exactly what they are doing if they do yoga. It is created to do this. Uh, there is a course only there is, of course, only one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that brought Moses out of Egypt, the God that made you. If anybody talks about other gods, then they are, in fact, talking about false gods or demons. Demons are absolutely real, and they do have power, but anybody that has given their life to Jesus Christ cannot be harmed by these demons. If you are doing yoga right now, then you owe it to yourself to learn the truth about, about it from a former yoga expert that discovered uh, the truth. Satan doesn't show up with a black cape and a pitchfork. <laughs> he comes at you with things that might seem completely innocent at first. I'm sure some of you are saying to yourselves that yoga is just a good exercise, but if you were saying that to yourself, you'd be dead wrong. Do you want to risk your eternal soul without learning more? So this guy has a short video or whatever. We're not going to really go into that. But um, I do want to put on a quick video about a guy who has his experience. It's just a couple of minutes, but it's called Buddhist Monk in Hell. You know, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but... This guy had gone through um, an experience in his life where he got very sick and he died. And I'm going to, um, let's see, play it real quick if I can find it. I mean, you guys can talk if you Well, I wanted to share because when Brittany was going through her eating disorder, therapy, uh -huh. they made them all do yoga. And... After a while, she's like, I don't feel comfortable with it. I don't like it. So she said that she didn't feel comfortable doing it. And they still made her do it until she said she didn't feel comfortable doing it because of her Christian faith. And then they let her out. So they know it's demonic. They know it's oh, yeah. And they gods. know. That's right. They just won't tell these people. That's right. And they, they know a Christian. My name is Alfred Pion Shinthopalu. I'm going to put this on the speaker, actually. Because I, I want this done. Yeah, you can, and um, I gotta link it anyways. But you know, it's an interesting story because a lot of people believe that you know these religions are harmless when they both serve many other gods. They have nothing to do with the God of the Bible. Chair. 
I'm from the country of Myanmar. I was born in 1958 in the town of Burma on the Irrawaddy Delta of southern Myanmar, formerly Burma. At the age of 13, I left school and started working on a fishing boat. One day when I was 17, we caught a large number of fish in our nets. Because of the many fish, a large crocodile was attracted to us. It followed our boat and tried to attack us. We were terrified, so we frantically rode our boats toward the riverbank as fast as we could. The crocodile followed us and smashed our boat with its tail. Although no one died in this incident, the attack greatly affected my life. At the age of 18, I was sent to a Buddhist monastery to be a novice monk. When I turned 19 years and 3 months old, in 1977, I became a normal monk. The senior monk's name was called he was the most famous Buddhist monk in all of Myanmar at the time. I tried hard to be the best monk I could and to follow all the precepts of Buddhism. For years, I strived to be the best monk I could and not to harm any living being. I studied the holy Buddhist teachings just like all my forefathers had done before me. My life proceeded as a monk until I got very, very sick. I was in Mandalay at the time and had to be taken to the hospital for treatment. The doctors did some tests on me and told me that I had both yellow fever and malaria at the same time. After about one month in the hospital, I was getting worse. The doctors told me there was no chance for me to recover and discharged me to make arrangements to die. After I was discharged from the hospital, I went back to the monastery where the other monks cared for me. I grew weaker and weaker and was lapsing into unconsciousness. I learned later that I actually died for three days. My body decayed and stunk of death. My heart stopped beating. My body was prepared for cremation and was put through traditional Buddhist purification rites. Although I faded away in my body, I remember my mind and spirit were fully alert. I was in a very, very powerful storm. A tremendous wind flattened the whole landscape until there were no trees or anything else standing, just a flat plain. After some time, I crossed a river. On the other side of the river, I saw a terrible, terrible lake of fire. In Buddhism, we do not have a concept of a place like this. At first I was confused and I didn't know it was hell until I saw a demon. His face looked like the face of a lion. His body was like a lion, but his legs were like a serpent spirit. He had a number of horns on his head. His face was very fierce and I was extremely afraid. Trembling, I asked his name. He replied, I am the king of hell, the destroyer. The king of hell told me to look into the lake of fire. I looked and I saw the saffron-colored robes that Buddhist monks wear in Myanmar. 
I looked closer and saw the shaven head of a man. When I looked at the man's face, I saw it was Uza Dilakiyan Mikansiyada, the famous monk who had died in a car accident in 1983. I asked the king of hell why my former leader was confined to this lake of torment. I said, why is he in this lake of fire? He was a very good teacher. He even had a teaching tape called, Are You a Man or a Dog? Which had helped thousands of people understand that their worth as humans is far greater than the animals. The king of hell replied, Yes, he was a good teacher, but he did not believe in Jesus Christ. That's why he is in hell. I was told to look at another person who was in the fire. I saw a man with very long hair wrapped on the left-hand side of his head. He was also wearing a robe. I asked the king of hell, who is this man? He replied, this is the one you worship, Gautama, Buddha. I was very disturbed to see Gautama in hell. I protested, Gautama had good ethics and good moral character. Why is he suffering in this lake of fire? The king of hell answered me, it doesn't matter how good he was. He is in this place because he did not believe in the eternal God. I then saw another man who looked like he was wearing a soldier's uniform. He had a large wound on his chest. I asked, who is this man? The king of hell said, this is Aung San, the revolutionary leader of Myanmar. I was told, Aung San is here because he persecuted and killed Christians, but mostly because he didn't believe in Jesus Christ. I looked and saw another man in the lake of fire. He was a very tall man and was dressed in military armor. He was also holding a sword and a shield. This man had a wound on his forehead. This man was taller than any person I have ever seen. The king of hell said, This man's name is Goliath. He is in hell because he blasphemed the eternal God and his servant David. I was confused because I didn't know who either David or Goliath were. The king of hell said, Goliath is recorded in the Christian Bible. You don't know him now, but when you become a Christian, you will know who he is. Another demon came to me. I also saw a being whose job is to stoke the fires beneath the lake of fire to keep it hot. This being asked me, are you going into the lake of fire too? I replied, no, I'm only here to observe. The appearance of this creature stoking the fire was very terrifying. He had ten horns on his head and a spear in his hand that had seven sharp blades coming from the end. The creature told me, you were right. You came here just to observe. I cannot find your name here. He said, you must now go back the way you came. I was hot and in great pain. Finally, after walking for about three hours, I came to a wide road. I walked along this road for some time until I came to a fork. One road going off to the left was wide. A smaller road went off to the right-hand side. There was a sign post at the fork saying that the road to the left was for those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The smaller road to the right was for believers in Jesus. I was interested to see where the larger road led, so I started down it. There were two men walking about 300 yards ahead of me. I tried to catch up with them so I could walk with them, but no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't catch up. 
So I turned around and went back to the fork in the road. I continued to watch these two men as they walked down the road away from me. When they reached the end of the road, they were suddenly stabbed. These two men cried out in great pain. I also cried out when I saw what happened to them. I realized the bigger road ended in great danger for those who traveled down it. I started walking down the Believer's Road instead. After traveling for about one hour, the surface of the road turned to pure cold. I then saw a man standing in front of me. He was wearing a white robe. I also heard beautiful singing. The man in the white robe asked me to walk with him. I asked him, what is your name? But he did not answer. After I asked his name six times, the man answered, I am the one who holds the key to heaven. Heaven is a very, very beautiful place. You cannot go there now, but if you follow Jesus Christ, you can go there after your life is finished on the earth. The man's name was Peter. Peter then asked me to sit down, and he showed me a place to the north. Peter said, Look to the north and see God create man. I saw the eternal God from a distance. God spoke to an angel, Let us make man. The angel pleaded with God and said, Please don't make man. He will do wrong and will grieve you. But God created man anyway. God blew on the man and the man came to life. He gave him the name Adam. Then Peter said, Now get up and go back where you came from. Speak to the people who worship Buddha and who worship idols. Tell them they must go to hell if they don't change. Those who build temples and idols will also have to go to hell. Those who give offerings to monks to earn merit for themselves will go to hell. Those who chant and give life to the idols will go to hell. All those who don't believe in Jesus Christ will go to hell. Peter told me to go back to earth and testify about the things that I had seen. He also said, you must speak your new name. From now on, you are to be called Paul, who came back to life. I didn't want to go back. I wanted to go to heaven. Angels opened a book. First they looked for my childhood name in the book, but they couldn't find it. Then they looked for the name I had been given when I entered the Buddhist monkhood, but it wasn't written in the book either. Then Peter said, your name is not written here. You must return and testify about Jesus to the Buddhist people. I walked back along the gold road. Again, I heard beautiful singing the kind of which I have never heard before or since. Peter walked with me until the time I returned to earth. He showed me a ladder that reached down from heaven to the sky. The ladder didn't reach down to earth, but it stopped midair. On the ladder I saw many angels, some going up to heaven and some going down the ladder. They were very busy, and I asked Peter, who are they? Peter answered, they are the messengers of God. They are reporting to heaven the names of all those who believe in Jesus Christ and the names of those who don't believe. Peter then told me it was my time to go back. The next thing I was aware of was the sound of weeping. I heard my own mother cry out, My son, why did you leave us now? I also heard many other people weeping. I realized I was lying in a box. I started to move. My mother and father started shouting, He's alive! He's alive! 
or farther away did not believe my parents. I then placed my hands on the sides of the box and sat upright. Many people were struck with terror. They cried out, it's a ghost, and ran away as fast as their legs could carry them. Those who remained were speechless and trembling. I noticed I was sitting in smelly liquid and body fluids, enough to fill about three and a half cups. This was liquid that had come out of my stomach and my insides while my body was lying in the coffin. This is why people knew I had indeed been dead. I learned later that I was just moments away from being cremated in the flames. When I came back to life, my mother and father were being allowed to look at my body for the very last time. Moments later, the lid of my coffin would have been nailed shut and I would have been cremated. I immediately started to explain the things I had seen and heard. People were astonished. I told them about the men I had seen in the lake of fire and told them that only the Christians know the truth, that our forefathers and us had been deceived for thousands of years. I told them everything we believe is a lie. The people were astonished because they knew what kind of a monk I had been and how zealous I had been for the teachings of Buddha. I had already been recorded as dead, but as you can see, now I'm alive. Since Paul, who came back to life, experienced the above story, he has remained a faithful witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Burmese pastors have told us that he led hundreds of other monks to faith in Christ. Despite great opposition, his experiences were so real to him that he has not wavered. After many years in the Buddhist monkhood, as a strict follower of Buddhist teachings, he immediately proclaimed the gospel of Christ following his resurrection and exhorted other monks to forsake all false gods and follow Jesus Christ with all their hearts. Before the time of his sickness and death, he had no exposure to Christianity at all. Everything he learned during those three days in the grave was new to his mind. His fearless testimony has landed him in prison at least once, where the authorities failed in their bid to silence him. Upon his release, he continued to testify of the things he saw and heard. His current whereabouts are uncertain. One Burmese informant told us he's in prison and he may have been killed, while another informant was told he is now released from prison and is continuing his ministry. How about you? Do you believe in Jesus as your Savior? If not, it is time to come to Jesus. You must repent your sins. You must believe in Jesus as your Savior who died for your sins in order to go to heaven. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Okay, so, you know, that's this guy's story. You can actually look this guy up and... um his testimony even farther than that. This guy's gone through some real stuff. You know, he had a rough life. I think he went on for 27 years before he died, you know, doing this ministry. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to get through these real quick because you know, I think I did things a little bit backwards. I wanted to run through these and then hit the scriptures, so we're going to finish strong with this. But uh, this is the nine beliefs of Hinduism. Uh, Hindus believe in a in a one all-pervasive supreme being who is both imminent and transcendent. So he's above and beyond, but he's also like inside, both creator and, un, and unmanifest reality. 
Hindus believe in the divine of the four Vedas, which are like books, like writings, the world's most ancient scripture, and uh, venerate the uh, Agamas um, as equally revealed. These are primordial, primordial uh, hymns are God's word and the bedrock of Santana Dharma and, uh, I mean, Santanat, Sanatana uh, Dharma, uh, the eternal religion. Hindus believe that the universe undergoes endless cycles of creation, uh, preservation, and uh, dissolution. Uh, dissolution. Uh, four, Hindus believe in karma, the law of cause and effect by which each individual creates his own destiny by his thoughts, words, and deeds. Now, we understand here that Hindus themselves, there is some truth as far as the karma thing goes, but it's not karma. The Bible says you reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. So they try and call this first, but everybody knows, I mean, it's a fact <laughs> that what you do, you know, will, will be a reflection on what happens to you in life. But when they talk about here your own destiny by his thoughts and his own words and deeds, you know, let's go to John 14 real quick. We got to give the glory to the Lord. It's actually John 16, sorry. No, 14, sorry. No, I'm sure. Everybody there? 14, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have uh, seen him. Uh, Philip saith unto him, Lord, shew us thy Father, and it uh, suffereth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so a long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me? Philip, he said, he that said, he that hath seen me, hath seen my father. And how sayest thou them, shew us the father? Believest thou not that I am in the, in the father, and the father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these uh, shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So it's clear here that Jesus is the way, instead of talking about here in Hinduism, where they like to say, that um, every man has his own way. There's only one way, and you find this in a lot of schools too. Education system, they'll tell you, 
what you have is your truth and what I have is my truth. Okay, so if you got that, then how do you get to the bottom of what really is and what isn't? Right. You know, so if every man's doing his own thing and he's saying what's right, then that means that there is no wrong, which is impossible. So Jesus makes it very clear. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Probably the most popular scripture. <laughs> I mean, period. But he's letting you know all things consist in him. Okay, so from here we'll go to uh, 5. And it says, Hindus believe that the soul reincarnates, evolving through many births until all karmas have been resolved. And moksha, uh, liberation from the cycle of rebirth, is attained, not a single soul will be deprived of its destiny. Let's go to uh, Hebrews. No, matter of fact, yeah, let's go to Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9, and we'll go to uh, verse 27. Everybody there? All right. Verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So, so Christ uh, was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So this tells you here, you know, one of the biggest lies in reincarnation is of Satan is to get you to waste the life that you already have. Yep. The one that you have right now, the devil believes. I mean, you should hear some of the things these people want to come back as. Oh, I'll be a dung beetle when I come back. Or oh, a little Dutch boy, you know, from, from some other country. You hear this stuff, and it's always, why people listen to these lying, familiar spirits, I don't know, because they never tell you you're going to be anything bad. They always tell you be some celebrity or something right. to entice you, to get you to want to do it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to knock out, let's see, I just want to run through this real quick. Uh, seven, I believe, right? No, I'm at six. Okay. Hindus believe that divine beings exist in unseen worlds. And the temple worship, rituals, sacraments, and personal devotionals create a communion uh, with these divas and gods. Now, we already know about who the divas are and what they do. Mm -hmm. Seven, Hindus believe that the enlightened master or uh, sat guru uh, is essential to know the trans transcendent absolute as our personal discipline, good conduct, purification, pilgrimage, self-inquiry, meditation, and surrender to God. So they're talking about meditation here and receiving enlightenment from masters. So what we're going to do here is run into a couple of quick verses on, um, let's go to Leviticus uh, 19. Do these guys meditate, you know, mind requesting, opening themselves up? Bible speaks strongly against this. Leviticus 19, let's go to verse 31. Everybody there? All right. 
it says, regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after them, I mean, after wizards, to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. So it makes very clear here that, you know, these types of things can happen. Let's go to Isaiah 8 real quick. seek unto their God for the li for the living for the living to the dead so you know you also got a lot of people here that like to believe um, a lot of these people will go into what they believe as far as necromancy you know speaking to you know family members for people and things like that you know Buddhism and Hinduism goes into that stuff opening themselves up for those who want to go into that let's go into Two books over, we're going to Ecclesiastes 9. Ecclesiastes 9, we'll go to verse 5. Okay, for the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything, neither have they any more a reward, uh, for the memory of them is forgotten. So this tells you right here where a lot of people will try and think, oh, well, I'm talking to my grandmother or, you know, some ancestor that told them something from the dead. We got to know their familiar spirits. Solomon here is saying that the dead know nothing, that they have no, you know, interaction with us. If you deal with any type of interaction, it's a familiar spirit. All right, let's go to, uh, let's see, Second Chronicles 33. I mean, it's clear after, you know, this, that they're not the same God. Right. <laughs> I mean, anyone who believes that wants to believe it because they say totally different things. Thank God they're not the same God. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, it's like all you got to do is come to Jesus, man. But, you know, people just want to, like, fight. They like abuse. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, religion is a powerful spirit. As, yeah, it's abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, 33, and we'll go to verse 6. Second Chronicles 33, 6. 
Yeah, I don't know if what it is. I mean, it could be these these spirits that we're attacking right now, you know, trying to come at you, trying to help me forget it, because I felt like I was fighting with them earlier, like something just had my mind, like, scrambled. All right, Second Chronicles 33, verse 6. And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also, he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft, and dealt with the familiar spirit, and with wizards, he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger. Now, this is another thing that they do, they may not pass through the fire exactly, some cultures do, where they believe in, you know, um, throwing kids in the fire, and stuff like that, but they also like to walk on hot coals, to prove themselves to their gods, and with their spiritual demonic power, some people can actually do this stuff where the person won't even be burned, you know? So these are things that the Bible here is speaking against. If you have any type of things telling you stuff like that, then you know that it's going to be um, not of good because he wouldn't have you do that. All right, so back to this um, of verse 8. Hindus believe that all life is sacred to be loved and revered and therefore practice... Ahimsa, non-injury in thought, work, and deed. So, you know, you're not supposed to worship any animals whatsoever. You're supposed to be doing what the Lord says and only worshiping your your God. Uh, Hindu, uh, nine. Hindus believe that no religion teaches the only way to salvation above all others, but that all genuine paths are facets of God's light. Are deserving tolerance and understanding. Ooh, the Pope just said that. Oh, yeah. And you want to know what's funny? We're going to Matthew 7 to prove the Pope is a liar. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I didn't know the Pope said that on TV recently. Yeah. Wow. Well, they are they are Buddhist, they are Hindus. It is the same people. They all go on pilgrimages. They dress exactly the same way. They all believe in uh, Babylonian worship and things like that. They either have their rosary rosary beads. Hindus and Buddhists have those beads too. Well, it's yeah. the same religion. You know, it's just. If you look at this picture, they got the rosary beads around the arm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a that's a diva from Hinduism and Buddhism. Yeah. So I mean that tells you there that it's really the same religion, masking to be you know more than that. All right, Saint Matthew uh, seven verse thirteen. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go there go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So, you know, that tells you there, again, in support of the Bible versus uh, Hinduism, they're saying that each person has their path. You know, or there are many paths, and you're supposed to be tolerant. Jesus here is saying at the end of time, you better know me. Because there is no other way in. Okay, so from here, we're going to go into the Buddhist thing that I, I gave out. Uh, let's see, where did I put 
Okay. Oh, here, right. Perfect. All right, we'll run into this, and then we'll go into some uh, quick scriptures, and I think we should be done by then. But this is what they say. In addition to following the teachings of Buddha, most Buddhists also recognize various gods and demons, which of, and this is not written from someone that's a Christian. This is, this is you know, actual Wikipedia pulling this up about Buddhism. Uh, gods and demons, uh, many of which take on different forms. Many Buddhists also recognize Hindu gods, Taoist gods, local deities, partly out of respect and partly so as not to offend them. Belief in these gods somewhat goes against Buddhist teachings, somewhat. The Buddha did not claim to be a, of divine origin, nor did he claim revelations uh, from heaven or meditate, or pray a, higher, pray a higher being. So Buddhist was pretty much an atheist. He didn't believe in there being a creator God. So from here, with that being said, let's go to, uh, let's see, Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8, verse... Where was it? Um, okay, Proverbs 8, verse 32. Oh, let's see. That's not what I'm looking for. No, sorry guys, that's not the one I'm looking for. It was, uh, all right, talk Sarah, say something. <laughs> What's that? Oh, that's just the closet. Under there, there's kind of like a, um, yeah, they're closets. That one goes all the way up under the stairs. This is just, it's like a trap door underneath, like that thing that you go under the apartment. Trap door? I mean, like a trap door, but like you, um, <laughs> you know, you go under the apartment for maintenance and things like that. Oh, it's not like a slide. Oh, so that's man. it for the couch, just in case somebody wants to come through it. Oh, yeah, I'd move it. It's kind of weird because it could be over here, but then it'd be at the window. This thing was just cut wrong. I don't know what it used to be before. But the, the verse I was looking for when it says the fool has said in his heart that there is no God, you know, because that's pretty much what Buddha said. But I know that's in Proverbs and I can't find it, but we'll go forward. I thought I had it, but uh, let's see. Back to the Buddha page. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, the second one. What's funny? That's funny, the Buddha page. Buddha page. <laughs> 
and Buddha's pantheon of gods is derived mainly from Hinduism, Indian folk religions, and local religions where Buddhism took root. In many cases, characteristics of gods from different faiths are merged into a single god. A Buddhist god, for example, may have been derived from Hindu god and given characteristics of a local spirit. <laughs> Moreover, the gods are intended to show uh, the many sided the many sides of enlightenment. It has wrathful, vengeful sides as well uh, as its peaceful and beneficial side. Gods, angels, or celestial beings are sometimes referred to as divas, derived from the old Sanskrit meaning brightness. Hindus use of the word to describe their gods. For Buddhists, describing divas as gods is not completely accurate. They are seen more as beings that are neither human or animal, but are regarded as above human. All divas were humans at one time and may become humans again. So you see, this is talking about here, right? You, if you notice that what the Buddhists were shown was something slightly different from the Hindus to cause a little more division. You know, I'm sure these beings have manifest themselves as spiritual beings, but then they'd also manifest themselves as like people. Right. So they'll play these games to get people on board with them. Right. You know, one thing about Satan is he will meet you at your need. Now, you know, we're not supposed to be worshiping angels. These guys worship angels. You know, we just read that. Exactly. But Buddha himself, well, where am I? Well, okay, um... In many cases, the worship of spirit and gods is seen as kind of, in every matter, incorporating animal beliefs that predate and uh, the emergence of Buddhism. One Burmese man told National Geographic, Buddhism is concerned with the hereafter. Uh, we placate, placate the uh, propitiate, propitiate. <laughs> The nets of this world. Uh, the, Buddhist, the Buddha himself uh, had little to say about God. His message is about enduring the suffering in the world if they put a lid on their desires, both seeking salvation and an afterlife. So we already read up about what the afterlife is and what the Lord expects concerning that. But then you got the Buddhist here going into uh, seeking salvation. So, you know, this is all based on works. There are other belief systems like that, Catholicism, you know, Mormonism. You got Jehovah Witness. You got all these groups that believe that. But if you can see, it's not just theirs. It comes straight out of Babylonian religion yeah. that brings everything forward. So, you know, when Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun, you know, Ecclesiastes 1.9, he's absolutely right. And, and, you know, the funny thing about a magician is he never changes his tricks. A magician needs a different audience to make certain things happen. Mm -hmm. See, if you're a person coming up in this time, the enemy will show you things and then he'll move on. Then he'll show you other, you know, he'll show you the same tricks with different audiences so everyone thinks they're getting something new. But when you've been around the block and you understand the origin of the tricks, you know, you recognize it the moment you see it.
these are the words of Jesus. Because a lot of people are going to say, I know that my God is real because I can do all these supernatural things. You know, so a lot of people don't understand that Satan himself has power. Let's see what Jesus thinks about it. John for um, John ten verse one. All right, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth by the door uh, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know this voice, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, uh, for they know not the voice of strangers. So interesting point here Jesus is bringing up is, he said that anyone that comes in another way is a thief and a robber. So you got people that are going into getting spiritual power, but they're not coming the way of God. They're going the way of Satan as if it's the same thing. But Jesus is calling you a robber because he is the only way to walk through. You know, where people think that, you know, there are other ways. And, you know, I won't deny that a lot of these religions have supernatural power. But it's not coming from the God of heaven. It's coming from Satan. So a lot of people don't believe or understand that. Uh, I think we're just about done. I might want to go into one other quick thing. But, um, you know, for all these religions and the things that people believe in, I mean, all it takes is to know the real God, not to get caught up in all this other stuff. Let's go to John 4 real quick, since we're already here. Okay, let's go to John 4, verse 20. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and we and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither uh, in this mountain nor yet, at, nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know that we worship and salvation is of the Jews. So he's making it clear here that this woman didn't even know, you know, what she's worshiping. All these false religions believe that they know what they're worshiping, things that they haven't even seen. The Lord is saying, Jesus is saying, we know what we worship. <laughs> you know, we know what we believe. You know, the God of the Bible, verse 23, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him 
must worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, one last thing, and then we can close out. But, you know, the Bible even prophesied what exactly went on or what would go on here in the world concerning these false religions coming into the kingdom of God. Uh, I think it's... find it now. Okay, yeah. Uh, let's go to um, Isaiah 2, verse 5. And this is exactly what happened to, you know, the Lord's people. And the Lord had always warned us. He's always warned the Israelites, stay away from these false gods. Stop whoring with the other gods, you know, to follow him. As you can see, it's still going on today. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 2, we'll start at verse 5. You there, Jay? Yep. All right. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, thy uh, house of Jacob, because they be replenished from the east, and are soothsayers like the Philistines, and these please themselves in the children of strangers. Their land also is full of silver and gold, neither is there any end of their treasures. Uh, their land is also full uh, of horses, neither is there any end to their chariots. Their land also is full of idols, they worship the work of their own hands. That which, their, uh, that which their own fingers have made. And the mean man boweth down, and the great man humbleth himself, therefore giving them not. Enter into the rock, and hide thee in the dust, for fear of the Lord, and for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall uh, be brought low. I think that's pretty much it. But, um, you know, that's pretty much saying there that, you know, the Lord is telling everyone, you know, to follow the God of heaven, not to be involved in these false gods, not to be involved in these things that you don't even know what you're worshiping. Mm -hmm. I know I said that would be it, but I forgot one more thing. And then I we can... Uh, one thing. Yes. Yeah. Because it talks about the cedars, and, um, yeah, the cedars of Lebanon, and that's like when he was talking about soaking all that wood and mm -hmm. fire. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. And are high and lifted up upon all the oaks of Bashan. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to go to Hosea real quick, Hosea 4, and then we are done. We are done after that. But like I said, early on. Martin <laughs> said, yeah, right. Not the way you like to talk. Where were we heading again? Hosea 4. Yeah. Wow, went right to it. You already there? Yeah.
Okay. Hosea 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Be swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery. They break out the blood, toucheth blood. I mean, and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes of the sea also uh, shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive nor reprove another, for thy people are as they uh, that strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also uh, shall fall uh, with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. So idolatry is not the sort of thing that you want to mess around with, you know, going into these false religions, because for lack of knowledge, God will also reject you, even your children. And this, this is probably speaking more of idolatry than anything else. Remember how he talked about in uh, Exodus, how those who believe in idolatry, that that will be visited upon, iniquity will visit upon the third and fourth generation. Mm -hmm. I think this is what he's speaking about here, but we know these things can be canceled out in Jesus Christ. Yeah. But, you know, I just wanted to bring that point up too, like to let people know you can't play with this stuff. They don't present Buddha to you, but then they're worshiping female Buddhas, and then you got these things called divas, and these people are opening themselves up to spirits that they don't even know. Yeah. Worshiping angels. And, and the good thing about the Word of God is it tells the full story. It lacks nothing. It'll tell you about in the beginning what happened with the fallen angels. Not to worship other gods. Not to get into all these things that no other religion does. All it tells you about is how to feel good. And these things seem really pleasing to the mind, but you find it's really more about you than it is about God himself. You know, like Satan said, ye shall be as gods. He knew that with that knowledge, that tree of knowledge and good and evil, that it would bring everybody around to believing they themselves are gods. Right. You know, so that's pretty much the lesson. I could have had it a little more organized than that, but it's funny how, I don't know, it's like I had trouble... Really putting my thoughts together until the end. I'm always down on myself until I hear it later on. But you know what's another interesting one is the feng shui. What's that? It sounds French, but it's a French goddess. It's what his mom was into for a while, and she was saying I need to do. Good flow of stuff, and I was like, "What? 
how do you how do you figure that one out? It's like where, where does it say if you put three couches in front of a door, <laughs> you shall have great luck? You know, it's like you know, how do you quantify the number of couches? You know? <laughs> well, what's awesome is it gets people to spend more. Right, exactly. daughter to really think about it, and I told her it's the same. I looked up witchcraft. I go, it's all the same crystals. It's all the same everything. Look mm-hmm. up witchcraft. Mm-hmm. They sell it at the witchcraft store. It's Look, true. I'm like, and you're buying this feng shui stuff. And then he said, what spirits are you inviting into your home? And that's that right. made, when we went back, there was no crystals anywhere. All that stuff was that's gone. That's right. Because you know not what your words, you don't know. And I mean, a lot of these things are demonically charged in the stores already. Yep. Mm-hmm. So people have those little fat Buddhas in their home. They bring them home. And, you know, there was one time um, my ex-girlfriend, friend Melissa, she, um, I think her sister took a picture of a Buddha that they had. And in the snap of the picture, you can see the Buddha was glowing. It was like a, um, like a blue hue that was over it. Everything else was normal. But there was a blue hue that went over this little red Buddha that they had. Wow. You know, and it was like, man, that, some of these things contain spirit. So all you got to do is bring it home. Mm. <laughs> you know, and you got yourself a demon free of charge. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. So it's like Canton Grill has that one when you first walk in. Yeah, and everybody mm-hmm. rubs it. Mm-hmm. Not me. And you know, a lot of the foods that they eat too, you know, we read um sec first Corinthians ten twelve ten twenty about all the things that they sacrifice are to devils. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not to the Lord. So you find a lot of Chinese food and I gotta lay off that because I I love Chinese food, but a lot of it is um you know, a lot of it is sacri- you know, yeah. food sacrificed to idols and things. That's why, you know, I'm not saying don't eat it, but, you know, pray over your food. Bless it. Sanctify your food. Yep. Lord is not going to let you get sick from that. But for those people that are out there getting their stomachs pumped and getting sick, you know, a lot of them don't know the Lord. A lot of I, I've seen people go right into restaurants. They don't pray over their food. They just dig right in. And it's like, you don't even know what's in this. <laughs> oh, you're digging right in, too. Exactly. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, if no one has anything to add, we can pray out. You know, that was a long study. Uh, there was a lot that I wanted to cover that I didn't, but that's gonna happen. So, you know, for the next <laughs> couple of weeks we're actually gonna break down um other religions. You know, there's groups I call the big five, you know, there's you know, Judaism, you know, there's Catholicism of course, there's Islam, and then there's the false church and a lot of things that they're doing. So you know, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be a little more organized than this. It's always like getting that first one out, you know. And then, yeah, we're going to debunk all of them, and we're going to show how they're all connected. They all believe the same. You got different characters, but you got the same, you know, different people, but you have the same characters that they're playing. So, yeah, it's all Baal worship. It's all Satan worship. All right, let's pray up. Good, sir. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight humble before you. I want to thank you for another day that you have given to us. I want to thank you for another opportunity that you have given us to come and learn your truths. Lord, I want to thank you for everything that you have done for us in this ministry. I want to thank you for everything that you've provided for us. Lord, you have met our needs and so much more. And I want to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor for everything that you have done for us. Lord, I want to thank you that you would give us this opportunity. 
Lord, I want to ask and pray that you would be with this ministry. Lord, that you would build us up, that you would strengthen us up, that you would give us your courage, your wisdom, your spirit of discernment to know what to do, Lord. To go out and to take these truths, to teach them and preach them to other souls so they can be a part of the body of Christ, so they can be a part of this ministry as well. Lord, I pray that whatever things are keeping us from having a right relationship with you, that they would be taken down and moved out of the way, that we can draw closer to you. We are living in the beginning of the end times. Lord, we're not sure how much longer that we're going to be given to where we can have studies like this. We have got to take your word and we have got to study it ourselves. We are not promised tomorrow. And I ask and pray, Lord, that you would give us all that thirst and that hunger to study your word, to draw closer to you, to hear your voice, to be given into more prayer and fasting. Lord, I pray that you would give us your strength and courage to go out and talk to others about you. Lord, I do pray for this upcoming conference that you would be in it. I pray that people that we invite will come, Lord, so they can learn about your truths, so they can have an understanding of what's going on in the world, so they can have an understanding of how Satan has deceived the masses into believing all these other things that many roads lead to heaven when we know that that's not the real case. Lord, there is only one road to heaven, and that is by believing in you. That is by placing our trust in you, Lord. That is by salvation, sanctification, Lord. Help us to understand that eventually we're going to have to have not just faith, but the gift of faith. Lord, to open the blind eyes, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. Lord, help us to have an understanding that you are made a mockery of in this society, but help us to strengthen us up, Lord, that we can stand against the wiles of the enemy by being filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask and pray that you would be with Martin and Laura and everything that they are going through, that you would watch over them, that you would build them up, Lord. I thank you for their presence that they have made in, in, in this ministry as well. I pray that you would be with Eric and Holly and little Eric, that you would watch over them, that you would keep them safe with whatever they are going through. I pray that the baby is born safe, filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would be with Mikael and all that he's going through. Lord, be with Andrew and everything that he's dealing with. Lord, he's the next generation coming up. I pray that you would touch his life and the life of his family. Lord, be with Jake and all that he's trying to do. I pray that you continue to work in his life. Lord, make him bold as he goes out. Lord, as he's inviting people to this conference as well. Lord, be with others. Be with Sue and her husband. Lord, be with Dick and Marge and whatever they are dealing with. Lord, be with Karen and her mom. Lord, I, I thank you for all the things that you have done for us. Lord, I pray that you would be with these individuals, that you would help them, that they would draw closer to you. Lord, be with our families tonight, that who, if there's anyone bound by religion in our families, Lord, that you would touch their lives, that you would help them to understand what's going on, that you would bring them out of that into a relationship with you. Lord, if there's anyone who is sick, tonight who is hurt that needs to call upon your name that needs to draw closer to you lord help them to understand that you are the only one you are the great physician that can heal them both spiritually and physically lord i pray that you would guide us and direct us this evening that you would lead us into your truth that you would show us what you would have us to study lord so we can take this to the world i pray that you would build us up every day to bring lost souls to you Lord, help us to understand the spiritual warfare that's going on around us. I pray that we would take on the full armor of God because that is our defense against the enemy. 
Guide us and direct us this evening, I pray. Lead us into your truth. Seat us in the altars. Place your shield of protection around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.